0: Boom, test, test. Boom, shake, shake, shake the room. Boom, boom, shake, shake, shake the room. All right, continuing on. Isaac Stevens is the next bit of research. So looking at webpages.i, webpages.i Wow. (laughs) Webpages.uidaho.edu. Let me check the gain. Let me check the gain. Let me check the gain. Graduating at the top of his class at West Point in 1839. So this is, yes, from the webpages of of universityofidaho.edu. Isaac Stevens talking about him graduating from West Point in 1839. uh, Was involved the Mexican-American War, saw considerable action, Uh, was a supporter of Franklin Pierce for president, so that's another name to look into, Franklin Pierce, awarded as the governor of the new Washington Territory in 1853. In addition, he carried out the title and role of superintendent of Indian Affairs for the, the Washington Territory and soon commissioned and conducted himself an extensive survey on an appropriate route for a railroad to foster immigration. Uh, So, yeah, that's um, from uh, Minnesota to the Puget Sound uh, was where that railroad was going, or at least the survey was, yeah. Um, As superintendent, uh, he was seeking to consolidate Indian lands to open up the territory for settlers, yes. Um, Isaac Stevens applied a combination of intimidation and force to bring tribes to comply with his treaty designs. Among the treaties were the Treaty of Medicine Creek, Treaty of Hellgate, Treaty of Nia Bay, Treaty of Point Elliott, Point No Point Treaty, uh, Quinault Treaty, and the Walla Walla Treaty Council of 1855, which included the Cayuse, Umatilla, and Walla Walla, as well as the Nespers, Palouse, and Yakima people. Wow! So that's what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight treaties, affecting more than ten to twelve plus different tribes, um, at the minimum, <laughs> at the bare minimum. When Stevens was met with resistance, he used his troops. Okay. Uh, his winter campaign against the Yakima tribe. Led by Chief Kamiakin and his execution of the Nisqually leader Leshai for the crime of having killed Stevens' soldiers in open combat, among other, te- among other deeds, led a number of powerful citizens in territory to beg Pierce to remove Stevens. Yeah, so pretty much a bad guy. Let's see, Isaac Stevens looking on WashingtonHistory.org. Um. His active support of Democrat Pierce's 1852 candidacy for president launched his own political career in 1853 Stephen successfully applied to President Pierce for the governorship of the new Washington Territory a post that also carried the title of superintendent uh, that also carried the title of superintendent of Indian Affairs. Not content with just two jobs, Stevens also lobbied for a position with a proposed transcontinental railroad survey. Secretary of War Jefferson Davis placed him in command of the survey of the Northern Route. Okay, well, the flowery language is just... cannot. Wasting no time, Governor Stevens quickly organized a territorial government, settled claims by the British-owned Hudson Bay Company expended $5,000 for books and petitioned Congress for land on which to build a university. Lobby for money to cover the remaining debts from the Railroad Survey Expedition and to secure funding for the Indian Treaty Councils. So in June of 1854, leaving acting Governor Charles Mason and new legislator in charge, Stevens returned to the nation's capital. So in 1854, Isaac Stevens went to lobby for money to cover remaining debts for the Railroad Survey Expedition and to secure funding for the Indian Treaty Council. So he went back to the East to make sure he could get money to finish the railroad uh, that he had personal interest in, as well as to get funding to implement the treaties which would get people out of the way for the said railroad that he is there to survey. well, wow. Stevens immediately plunged into the task of organizing the councils. He intended to make treaties with the Indians to secure the necessary resources for building the railroad and to obtain land sought by the ever-increasing stream of settlers flowing into the region. His agents had already been visiting the various Indian villages, selecting individuals to represent each tribe. Oh, my gosh. This is just... So horrible. Okay. Mm. What the tribes received were several widely separated small reservations. These brought different tribal bands together, but allowed the tribes to continue to fish hunt and gather food and other supplies in their usual, accustomed places outside the reservations. The government also pledged to provide schools, blacksmith, Shops, carpenters, and medical care. In return, the United States acquired 2.5 million acres of tribal land. Understandably pleased at the positive outcome of the Medicine Creek Treaty, Stevens prematurely speculated that if the whole treaty program proceeded as as smoothly, all the tribes would soon be on reservations. Hmm... Okay, Isaac Stevens' um, war with Mexico again after the war in 1852. He supported the candidacy of Democrat Franklin Pierce. Uh, So let's just go over and do Franklin Pierce as a president and Um, Just going off of Wikipedia alone, we'll go off the first source. Franklin Pierce, 1804 to 1869, was the 14th president of the United States, serving from 1853 to 1857. Um, Northern Democrat who believed the uh, the abolitionist movement was a fundamental threat to the unity of the nation he alienated anti-slavery groups by supporting and signing the nebraska the ne- kansas nebraska act and enforcing the fugitive slave act yet these efforts failed to stem conflict between the. okay so supporting the nebraska or the kansas nebraska act of 1854 of which is uh, colloquially known as the kansas nebraska act Uh, uh, So the Organic Act that created the territories of Kansas and Nebraska. So this act was drafted by Senator Stephen Douglas and passed by the 33rd U.S. Congress and signed into law by Franklin Pierce, so President Franklin Pierce, Um, Douglas, the one who constructed the act, introduced the bill intending to open up new lands to development and to facilitate the construction of a transcontinental railroad. Uh, But the Kansas-Nebraska Act is most notable for effectively repealing the Missouri Compromise, stoking national tensions over slavery, and contributing to a series of armed conflicts known as Bleeding Kansas. Oh, wow. Okay, so it talks about the Louisiana Purchase. Um, Okay, well, just at the root of it, um, it's kind of crazy that um, the senator, Stephen Douglas, drafted a bill that Franklin Pierce put in that would facilitate the construction of a transcontinental railroad. And at the exact same time, Isaac Stevens supported Franklin Pierce In his presidency and along with the role that Franklin Pierce or that Isaac Stevens gained uh, as the governor of Washington Territory um, that he got from President Franklin Pierce, which came along with the additional title of superintendent of Indian uh, Indian Affairs. So, you know, the governor of the Washington Territory itself, the land and the superintendent of the native inhabitants of that land, he gets to be the master and name or called shotter. Uh, he, he he gets to be the master and uh, the one who calls the shots for the people who live there. Master of the area, and he gets to call the shots for the people who live in that area. And along with that, uh, here we have this connection that Isaac Stevens later became the command of the Transcontinental Railroad Survey from Minneapolis to the Puget Sound. And it's so strange to me that uh, the Kansas-Nebraska Act was something that Franklin Pierce signed in. Um, that was meant to aid in that transcontinental railroad. We also see that Franklin Pierce supported the Fugitive Slave Act, which uh, again, just following Wikipedia, the fugitive slave laws were laws passed by the US Congress in 1793 and 1850 to provide for the return of enslaved people who escaped from one state into another state and or territory. The idea of the fugitive slave law was derived from the fugitive slave clause which is in the u.s constitution article 4 section 2 paragraph 3 so there it is right in the uh, let's see i'm just going to click on it fugitive slave clause is the u.s um Constitu- uh, is in the u.s constitution of 1789 uh slave clause or the fugitives from labor clause It's the fourth article, section two, clause three of the U.S. Constitution, which requires a, quote, person held to service or labor, unquote, usually a enslaved person, apprentice or indentured servant uh, who flees to one or to who flees to another state to be returned to his or her master in the state from which that person escaped. Uh, the passage of the the 13th Amendment to the United States Constitution, which abolished slavery except as a punishment for criminal acts. Oh my gosh, this is such a loaded uh, sentence. Made the clause irrelevant. Wow, okay, I don't know about irrelevancy. However, um, again, so the Fugitive Slave Clause was basically just um, a written rule put into the Constitution where uh, any enslaved person that got away from their slaver could be returned to them legally so these were the main two things that stood out for franklin pierce directly from his wikipedia uh, signing the kansas nebraska act and enforcing the fugitive slave act Um, so yeah the first one as i mentioned was um, also a conduit a way by which the transcontinental railroad could open up and uh, the fugitive slave act uh, returning enslaved people back to their masters Uh, So it's uh, doing both at the exact same time, taking away from the native inhabitants of the land while also um, making sure to keep their labor force uh, active and strong um, by (laughs) requiring that their free labor be returned um, to not be a free person is the easiest way of saying it. Wow. Wow. So that's President Franklin Pierce, uh, 1853 to 1857. So yeah, strange connections um, about the Mexican-American War as a brigadier general in the army, you know, same war as Isaac Stevens, as well as the man who appointed him governor of the Washington Territory, so governor of the land, and superintendent of Indian Affairs, a.k.a. master of the natural inhabitants of the land that he has given governorship over. And again, we're finding this other complicating factor of Stevens being given um, the command of a survey of a transcontinental railroad that's going to plow directly through the Washington Territory, where many people are from, including the Nimipu. Okay. Stevens wasted little time, and his survey expedition left Minnesota in June of 1853. Not only did the mission document the route of the railroad, but it recorded the flora and fauna and Native American tribes. The survey party reached Fort Vancouver on November 19, 1853. The report that followed in 1859 was the most thorough of the four surveys. Girl, don't nobody care. Um... The Stevens Treaties. It was Stevens' discharge of his duties as superintendent of Indian Affairs that proved most dramatic. Since 1850, white settlers had been granted lands throughout Oregon Territory without any release of title by the prior inhabitants, the Native Americans. What is more, the most desirable properties on prairies and along the rivers were those most needed by the tribes for survival conflicts quickly occurred when they resulted in and they resulted in fatalities. Stevens' response was to divide the territory into districts and assign Indian agents to find tribal representatives with whom to sign treaties. He then left the territory for Washington D.C. to lobby Congress for funds for roads and improvements and for the northern route for the transcontinental railroad. So this is coming from historylink.org. Which, yeah, basically just is saying that these treaties that Stevens was in charge of was portioning out the land um, in order to make, well, and also making space for this railroad that he plans to come through um, the territory that he's governing. Hmm. Yeah, well, according to historian David something, not only, quote, not only was the timetable reckless, the whole enterprise was organized in profound ignorance of native society, culture, and history. The 20,000 odd aboriginal inhabitants who were assumed to be in rapid decline were given a brutal choice. They would adapt to white society or they could disappear, end quote. Wow. West of the Cascades, Stevens organized four treaty councils between December 25th, 1854 and February 26, 1855. Each lasted about four days. The result was the Native Americans lost most of their land in exchange for small reservations. Two more councils east of the Cascades did not go as smoothly, but Stevens obtained the requisite marks on the treaties. The treaties did allow the tribes to continue to gather fish in common with whites at all their accustomed places. Uh, packed statements. Okay, so that's historylink.org. I'm also seeing on organencyclopedia.org, Isaac Stevens strode through the Northwest formative years. Um... Born in 1818. Uh, his appointment in 1853 as the governor of Washington Territory. Stevens wore additional hats, bearing the titles of Superintendent of Indian Affairs and leader of the Railroad Survo- Survey from St. Paul, Minnesota to the Pacific Coast. Stephen shaped the railway survey planned by Congress as one of several to determine the best transcontinental route into a reconnaissance of terrain, resources, and animal life. Uh, Okay. Uh, In its thoroughness, the survey brought back memories of Lewis and Clark. They'd be praising these motherfuckers like no other. Um, Stevens perceived the survey as the essential first step for the economic development of Oregon and the Pacific Northwest. Subsequent railway lines would bring settlers to lands along the route and entice thousands of, entice tens of thousands of Oregon or, and entice tens of thousands to Oregon and Washington. Equally important, a transcontinental line would connect the nation to Pacific coast ports. Uh, which in turn would open the vast markets of Asia. Wow. Hmm. So the railroad survey also initiated Stevens' implementation of the nation's Indian policy in the Northwest. He met with tribal leaders on the way west and continued informal sessions once he arrived in Olympia. In 1854, Journey to the Capitol allowed numerous meetings with Commissioner of Indian Affairs George Manypenny and his chief lieutenant Charles Mix. Um, and yeah, I looked that up. Uh, George Manypenny was uh, the Indian commissioner. Indian commissioner um, under President Franklin Pierce, I believe. I also see Jefferson Davis, who was also a slave owner. Anyways, George Manypenny, 52 treaties done under his name. Those 52 treaties um, account for at a minimum 174 million acres of land lost um, for tribal people, for for Native people, for the first inhabitants of this land i also see that uh, charles mix is head of uh, the bia in 1858 is the commissioner um so yeah this many penny and charles mix are you know <laughs> not the the coolest dudes it looks like uh, i know i pulled up a window on them at some point you know what? i really don't even care Just more racists. Um, Yeah, most important was a provision for individual land ownership by tribal members. Although the treaties did not themselves cause the hostilities that followed, neither did they have the opportunity to assuage the tensions that had risen over many years. Girl, they call it tensions as if it's just like somebody dropping food on your floor and not reaching down to wipe it up or pick it up. No, girl, these are like brutal invasions uh, and theft. (laughs) Uh, Tensions. Y'all tried it. Okay, that's organencyclopedia.org. So I'm going to put this Isaac Stevens shit away because I just really can't right now. It's enough of the white people stuff. I'm going to put the Isaac Stevens stuff away because that's just too heavy. Uh, and I really couldn't find too much on David Liberty. And so I see Article 6 of the Omaha Treaty of 1854. So let's look that up. Omaha Treaty 1854. Okay, Washington.edu, treaty with Omaha, 1854. Wow, okay. And I'm looking for article six. So let's see, that's article two six. The President may from time to time at his discretion cause the whole or such portion of the land hereby reserved as he may think proper, or of such other land as may be selected in lieu of or in lieu thereof, as provided for in Article First, to be surveyed into lots, and to assign to such Indian or Indians of said tribe as are willing to avail of the privilege, and who will locate on the same as a permanent home, if a single person over 21 years of age, one eighth of a section to each family of two, one quarter section to each family of three and not exceeding five, one half section to each family of six and not exceeding 10, one section into each family over 10 and number one quarter section for every additional five members. And may and be and B may prescribe such rules and regulations as will ensure to the family, in case of the death of the head thereof, the possession and enjoyment of such permanent home, and the improvements thereon, and the President may, at any time in his discretion, after such person or family has made a location on the land assigned for a permanent home, issue a patent to such person or family for such assigned land, condition that the tract shall not be that the tract shall not be a or leased for a longer term than two years, and shall be exempt from levy, sale, or forfeiture, which condition shall continue in force until a state constitution embracing such lands within its boundaries shall have been formed, and the legislator of the state shall remove the restrictions. And if any such person or family shall at any time neglect or refuse to occupy until a portion of the lands assigned and on which they have located or shall rove from place to place the president may if the patent shall have been issued cancel the assignment and may also withhold from such person or family their proportion of the annuities or other monies due them until they have until they shall have returned to such permanent home And resume the pursuits of industry and in default of their return the tract may be declared abandoned and thereafter assigned to some other person or family of such tribe or disposed of as is provided for the disposition of the excess of said land and the residue of the land hereby reserved or of that which may be selected in lieu thereof after all of the indian persons or families shall have had assigned to them permanent homes may be sold for their benefit under such laws, rules, or regulations as may hereafter be prescribed by the Congress or President of the United States. No state legislator shall remove the restrictions herein provided without the consent of Congress. So that is Article 6 of the Omaha Treaty of 1854. Let me see. Treaty with the Omaha, 1854. That was Article 6. Uh, and this is important because it is referenced in the Treaty of 1855. So the Nespers Treaty of 1855 references the Omaha. So in Article 6 of the Nespers Treaty of 1855. Um, it reads, the president may from time to time at his discretion cause the whole or such portions of such reservation as he may think proper to be surveyed into lots and assign the same to such individuals or families of the said tribe as are willing to avail themselves of the privilege and will locate on the same as a permanent home on the same terms and subject to the same regulations as are provided in the sixth article of the Treaty of the Omaha's in the year 1854 so far as the same may be applicable okay so boom here in the Nez Perce Treaty of 1855 technically the very first treaty signed um, and this is uh, orchestrated by Isaac Stevens who was um, put into his governorship of the Washington Territory as well as being the superintendent of Indian affairs in the Washington Territory by the president Franklin Franklin, Franklin girl, what's your name? Too many racists to keep up with. Let's see. Franklin. Franklin Pierce. All right. Franklin Pierce appointed um, Isaac Stevens, the governorship of Washington state. Okay. So, yeah. And this is, uh, so this treaty came from Isaac Stevens after he's, um, you know, putting together this railroad, and now he needs to move all the Indians out of the way of the railroad that's going to link from Minnesota to the Washington state area, and that railroad is going to allow for more white settlers uh, to readily move across from the east to the west, while also establishing connections to Asia for trade. Now, here in Article 6 of the Nez Perce Treaty of 1855, Um, breaking it down so the president may from time to time at his discretion cause the whole or such portions of such reservation as he may think proper to be surveyed into lots and assign the same to such individuals or families of the said tribe as are willing to avail themselves of the privilege and will locate on the same as a permanent home on the same terms and subject, subject to the same regulations as are provided in the sixth article of the treaty of the omahas in the year 1854 so far as the same may be applicable so again the president may at any time whenever he feels so at his discretion cause the entirety or just portions of the reservation that people are agreeing to in this treaty of 1855 um, that the president may think proper so just a random man may think proper to be surveyed into lots, so to be put into small little boxes, lots, um, chunks of land, and assign the same to such individuals or families of the said tribe as are willing to avail themselves of the privilege. So this is really a precursor to the Dawes Act, which um, is basically giving certain um, certain tracts of lands to individuals. Now again, uh, there needs to be an understanding that The Nespers people and many native people uh, throughout the area did not function this way. This is a white settler colonial structure um, to um, own tracts of land uh, and to have individual ownership. Uh, And the main thing that really just sticks out to me again is the severalty word that comes out in a lot of this. And severalty literally just means distinctness or separateness. uh, And this was a divide and conquer method. Um, so taking a, a natural structure of working through kinship and in community. Um, you know, the Nimipu people, they had 19 bands spread out across a large tract of land and each band had its own sense of family and leadership. And even throughout the area, there were usual and accustomed camps and locations. Um, and so people followed the rounds of the year and of the seasons um, and did not stay located in one exact place the entirety of uh, of a year um, they worked with the land they followed the animals um, and, and and they followed the weather patterns they 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 followed the earth and everything around it to um to survive and to thrive in the world and then this is coming through and it's uh putting in an entirely different system saying you need to stay in place in this very one place that we're going to give you and the only way that you're going to get this little bit of land is if you abide by our rules uh, and where it says um, that they, the land will be assigned to an individual or families of the tribe um, as they are willing to avail themselves of the privilege. Um, and so again, you know, you have to choose into this system Of staying located in one single tract of land. And your alternative to that is not to continue going on about your way that you have for millennia. It's actually extinction. Uh, So it's either death or you choose to opt into this system that we're placing you in, Um, which, you know, first thing that comes to mind is the word duress for me. so, continuing on, on the same terms and subject to the same regulations as are provided in the sixth article of the Treaty of the Omahas in the year 1854. Okay, so they don't even want to expand here in the Nespers Treaty of 1855. Isaac Stevens was like, Girl, we already wrote it out. Just reference them over to the Treaty of the Omaha in 1854. So, going back to what we read earlier with Article 6 of the uh, the Omaha Treaty of 1854. Oh, let me get the title right, because I, I hate to say it wrong. Treaty with the Omaha, 1854. Let me write that down. Treaty with the... Okay. And so in Article 6 of the treaty with the Omaha of 1854 um, it's basically the disposition of lands reserved portion of the treaty so starting at the top the president may from time to time at his discretion cause the whole or such portion of the land hereby reserved as he may think proper so earlier in the treaty I'm assuming that they lined out the bounds of the proposed reservation much as they have in the Treaty of 1855, as well as the Nespers Treaty of 1863. Um, the first two articles, it establishes the lines, the boundary lines of the reservation. And so that's what they're referencing here. And they're saying that the president, this the man in charge of the US at any time, from at any time, uh, at his own discretion, so whenever he see, sees fit, may cause the entirety or just portions of the land that they're talking about in the boundaries, um, whenever he thinks that it's proper, um, or of such other land as may be selected in lieu thereof. Um, and so, yeah, if any other land comes into play that isn't outlined in the section above, that also applies. As provided for in article first to be surveyed into lots. So, yeah, as provided for in article first, if I were to scroll back up and I see article 1, uh of this treaty the omaha indians cede to the u.s all their lands west of the missouri river and south of a line drawn due west from a point in the in the center of the main channel of said missouri river due east to where so yeah it's laying out the lines uh the boundary lines of um what was proposed as a reservation um to be for the exclusive use i'm assuming Um, for the Omaha people, which it's also not the exclusive use, which we'll get into that at a different point as we continue to read. Um, And so, yeah, so any lands in the outline above, as well as any other lands, um, can be surveyed into lots, and to assign to such Indian or Indians of said tribe as are willing to avail of the privilege. Of the privilege. So any people of that area and who are agreeing um, to, uh, to, uh, to opt in, basically, to getting a lot, um, and who will locate on the same as a permanent home, so they will opt into the system to um, get a land plot and then they will, and then they will move there. So locate on the same as a permanent home. So they'll move there and they'll live on that place. Um, and then they go into the specifics of it. So if it's a single person over the, over 21, they get one eighth of a section. Um, if there's a family of two people, they get a quarter of a section, which I don't know exactly what that is. I'd have to look up, um, Okay, so it breaks down, getting back into Article 6, it breaks down um, the different sizes for family members. Um, So after it does the breakdown for what will be uh, portioned out for the family size, it says, and B may prescribe such rules and regulations as will ensure to the family in case of the death of the head thereof, the possession and enjoyment of such permanent home, and the improvements thereon okay so it's basically a guarantee saying that inheritance will happen so in case of death of the head of the family um the land will still be possessed and can be uh enjoyed as the permanent home Um, and you know you get to keep the improvements that you made on the property so you get to keep the place basically is what it's kind of saying and the president may at any time in his discretion so again this random guy that leads the country at any time whenever he feels like it, after such person or family has made a location on the land assigned for a permanent home, issue a patent to such person or family for such assigned land, conditioned that the tract shall not be aliened or leased for a longer term than two years. So I don't fully understand this part. And you know, it's not necessarily my job to I'm not trained. Uh, however, the the president may at any time put a so like after a family locates onto this land the president can come through at any time and issue a patent to that person and or family for the land that they're now living on again opting into this system that goes against everything that they have known in their life prior to Um, and a part of that condition in the patent that the president is issuing is that the tract of land that the family is now living on shall not be a lien or leased for a longer term than two years. Um, so I guess, and, and, and shall be exempt from levy, sale, or forfeiture, which conditions shall continue in force until a state constitution embracing such lands within its boundaries shall have been formed, and the legislature of the state shall remove the restrictions. So it's kind of holding, It's like it seems like it's putting it in a holding pattern. Um, yeah until you know because they uh knowing that they're going to be uh creating states so you know they're waiting until states can be formed and then giving the state the right to remove the restrictions either way there's restrictions (laughs) let's get to the bottom of it there's there's restrictions on the land that you're being forced to live on um and again the alternative is death and or extinction um because this is happening by force. Okay, so continuing on. And if any such person or family shall at any time neglect or refuse to occupy until a portion of the lands assigned and on which they have located, or shall rove from place to place, the president may, if the patent shall have been issued, cancel the assignment and may also withhold from such person or family their portion of the annuities or other monies due them until they have returned to such permanent home and resumed the pursuits of industry." Wow, okay, see, there's the caveat. Because I was like, girl, where is this uh, protection coming from? Um, Because it sounds almost like a protection, right? That, scrolling back up, the president um, may at any time, and I don't even wanna say it's a protection because none of this is protecting. Um, However, the president may at any time in his discretion, Okay. No, okay, okay. Okay, okay, okay. So the president um could put a patent uh for a person and family on the land. So saying that the the land shall not be a lien or lease for a longer term than two years. Um, and shall be exempt from levy so basically you won't have to pay uh, exempt from levy sale or forfeiture which condition okay so I don't really understand 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 however um, the caveat comes in where if the person leaves or they don't take care of that tract of land in the way that the president and or, the agent or whoever around who is in charge basically does not see fit, then the land that they are assigned on um, and have moved to the patent shall have been, uh, or the president may, if the patent shall have been issued, cancel the assignment and may also withhold from such person or family, their proportion of the annuities or other monies due to them. So yeah, basically, if you don't stay on this piece of land that we're forcing you to be on, and if you don't take care of it in the ways that we say you need to take care of it, and if you leave and you go to other places, say maybe to visit other people, maybe out of dire need because you are not used to staying in one tract of undesirable land and uh, taking on tilling, and harvesting in a specific space, you know, maybe there are rounds that you live uh, live your life by, as in the case with the Nimipu. Um, they're saying that if you if you do these things that you're used to and normal to, and you don't follow the rules as we say, then even though we have given you this uh, patent for protection, I guess in a sense, um, we can take it away, and any money on the land. Or any other money that we low-key owe you, we don't have to pay you. Um, It won't be given to you until you come back to this tract of land and you get back to the life that we say. So they shall have returned to such permanent home and resume the pursuits of industry. So yeah, you have to get yourself back to that piece of land and work it the way that we say that you have to work it. Um, so continuing on, and in default of their return, the tract may be declared abandoned. So, And if you don't come back to this land that we say you have to be on, and you don't tend to it the way that we say you have to, then we can take it away from you. And thereafter assigned to some other person or family of such of such tribe. So that's easy, pretty explainable. It can get passed on to anyone else or disposed of as is provided for the disposition of the excess of said land. So that's the crazy part is, uh, yeah, we can take the land that we gave to you, quote unquote. Or, you know, if you don't come and you don't take care of it in the way that we see fit, then we can give it to anyone else in the tribe or we can put it in the dispose pile. um, And then that will be uh, called excess land. Now, that's crazy because all the excess land that isn't Indian owned, a.k.a. having a native or yeah, a person or family uh, opting into this system and, you know, steadying, taking care of the land in the way that the U.S. government is saying to do it, um, then it opens up to white settlers. So um, we're taking your homeland, we're telling you how to live in your homeland and exactly within your homeland, that the place that you need to stay. And if you don't do this thing, we can take this away from you and give it to somebody else. That's what it's saying. Um, And the residue of the land hereby reserved, or of that which may be selected in lieu thereof, after all of the Indian persons or families shall have had assigned to them permanent homes, may be sold for their benefit under such laws, rules, or regulations, as may hereafter be prescribed by the Congress of the President of the United States. No state legislator shall remove the restrictions herein provided for without the consent of Congress. <sighs> so yeah, that's, that's the biggest thing that I find here in these treaties um, is just all the caveats, you know, um, it's, it's, it's duress. That's the only thing that I can say. It's, it's actual duress. It's saying you need to live in this place that we're telling you to live and you need to live the way that we're telling you to live. And if you refuse to do that, we're going to take everything else away from you and, um, which in a sense, basically just taking your life. And I know that may sound drastic and not that like, it's a gun to somebody's head, even though oftentimes it's, it is a gun to somebody's head. Uh, It's also very much, you know, well, if you can't eat, if you can't provide for yourself, um, because you're not able to uh, go to the places where you gather your food, because you're being assigned to stay in one specific place. um, Yeah, that's a death sentence uh, in itself. So Wow. Okay. So that's the Article 6 of the Omaha, or the Treaty with the Omaha of 1854. And that uh, is important because it's a major factor in the Nespers Treaty of 1855. So again, um, these treaties done by, we have George Manypenny, uh, who did 52 treaties, again, taking away 174 million acres of land from Native people, Um, as well as Charles Mix, these guys worked with Isaac Stevens. These guys are working under President Franklin Pierce, um, who, again, is the man who signed the act to open up the railroad, um, taking Kansas and Nebraska and establishing them as territories, um, which, you know, dispossessing a lot of uh, native inhabitants of their lands, and at the exact same time implementing this system of taking all the lands and putting them into plots, while also allowing for Isaac Stevens uh, to be the governor of Washington, so of the actual land territory. Um, so it extends past what is known as present-day Washington. Um, and along with that, he gets to be in charge of Indian affairs. So um, he gets to call the shots for all the native inhabitants of the area, while also um, being in command of the, Railway, the Transcontinental Railway Survey. Um, so he gets to decide the best pathway to take the railway from Minnesota over to the Washington coast, uh, opening up to Asia. Um, wow! So, yeah, that's that's my timeline. I'm I'm seeing 1853 here, which obviously has to do with Isaac Stevens. 1855 for the Nez Perce Treaty of 1855, which came. Um, yeah the, the Walla Walla Valley that was the Walla Walla Council I need to get the actual name for that uh, 1863 so eight years later being the next treaty the 18 or treaty of 1863 treaty of 1868 which basically just kind of refined some of the timber stuff that was established in 1863 in 1871 is not only the death of old Joseph it's also the time that white settlers in the wallowa valley um, started bringing their cattle ran, uh white ranchers and settlers started bringing their cattle um to the grasslands of the Walla um and so there's another date in here i think it's 1873 is the proposed or maybe that's i'm not sure okay so then i see 1877 so um the is that the Dawes Act? Yep, Dawes Act in 1877. So this is severalty to Indians. So this is separating the divide and conquer method, um, giving uh, natives a tract of land and making them uh, register into the system in order to accept that tract of land. And then the 1893 agreement um, with the Nez Perce. Uh, is just the carrying out of, I don't want to say just, is the carrying out of the Dawes Act. So um, the Dawes Act being the general umbrella term, and when it came to the Nez Perce people specifically, that happened in 1893. And then uh, 1924, U.S. citizenship. So let's search that right now. 1924, citizenship. Uh, So I see history.com. Congress enacts the Indian Citizenship Act. With the passage of the Indian Citizenship Act, the government of the United States confers citizenship on all Native Americans born within the territorial limits of the country. Um, So before the Civil War, citizenship was often limited to Native Americans of one half or less Indian blood. In the Reconstruction period, progressive Republicans married to U.S. citizens were conferred. Okay, girl, you're not helping. History.com is the pits. Um, sticking with good old Wikipedia just for generalness, the Indian Citizenship Act of eighteen, excuse me, of 1924, also known as the Snyder Act, um, came from June nineteen, June second, 1924. Um, granted U.S. citizenship to the indigenous peoples of the United States, called the Indians in the Act. While the 14th Amendment of the United States Constitution defines as citizens any persons born in the United States and subject to its jurisdiction, the amendment, and the amendment had previously been interpreted by the courts to not apply to native peoples. Uh, and we see that in the Nespers Treaty of 1855, where um, they talk about U.S. citizens being separate from... Uh, the said tribe, A.K.A. Nimipu and/or Nesper's people. <laughs> the act was proposed by Representative Snyder of New York and was signed into law by President Coolidge in june of 1924 it was enacted partially in recognition of the thousands of native americans who served in the armed forces during the first world war oh my gosh okay so that's, that's kind of the timeline um so having that as the timeline i'm going to start working so yeah we're just i'll just start reading the treaty of 1855 uh, and working our way out so Nesper's treaty 1855 treaty with the nest purses 1855 articles of agreement and convention made and concluded at the treaty ground camp stevens in the walla in the walla walla valley this 11th day of june in the year 1855 and between isaac stevens governor and superintendent of indian affairs for the territory of washington and joel palmer superintendent of indian affairs for oregon territory on the part of the united states and the undersigned chiefs Headman and delegates of the Nespers tribe of Indians occupying lands lying partly in Oregon and partly in Washington territories between the Cascade and Bitterroot Mountains, on behalf of and acting for said tribe and being duly authorized thereto by them, it being understood that Superintendent Isaac Stevens assumes to treat only with those of the above-named tribe of Indians residing within the territory of Washington, and Superintendent Palmer with those residing exclusively in Oregon territory. Okay, so it's uh, this introduction of the Nez Perce Treaty is saying that the articles that you're going to read in this agreement, which, uh, flipping through, there are 11 articles. So the introduction is saying the following 11 articles um, were concluded at the treaty ground of camp Stevens in the Walla Walla Valley on June 11th in 1855. And the agreement came between Isaac Stevens, who is the governor of the Washington territory, as well as the superintendent of Indian affairs for that territory, along with the, uh, superintendent of Indian fair, uh, Indian affairs for the Oregon territory, uh, Joel Palmer, uh, so, these two men, Isaac Stevens, the governor of Washington, Joel Palmer, the uh, superintendent of Indian affairs for Oregon, and on behalf of the United States, along with the undersigned chiefs and headmen and delegates of the Nez Perce tribe of Indians um, that are occupying, so that are living on lands that are considered to be both on the Oregon Territory side as well as the Washington Territory side. And they're giving a general outline saying that it lies between the Cascade and Bitterroot Mountains. Um, and that acting for the said tribe and being duly authorized thereto by them, it being understood that so yeah, and so then uh, being understood that superintendent assumes to treat only with those of the above named Indians. So just yeah, so the people who live in this area that call themselves these things, um You'll deal with me in Washington, and you'll deal with Joel Palmer for those of you who are on the Oregon side, uh, because those are the two men who are in charge of the, dif- the different districts. So, yeah, moving on. Article 1. Uh, the, ne- the, the said Nez Perce tribe of Indians hereby cede, relinquish, and convey to the United States all their right, title, and interest in and to the country occupied or claimed by them, bounded and described as follows to wit. Uh, so the nest tribe of Indians, uh, they give up. So seed relinquished and conveyed to, so, so they, so they give up, uh, to the U S all of their right and title and interest in so that, you know, financial, any, any type of resource interest, uh, into the country occupied or claimed by them. So the lands that they lived in, um, bounded and described as follows. So, um, according to these rules that we're just about to say here, um, so commencing at the source of the Wonanishi, Wonanishi I, I don't know how to say that, or southern tributary uh, or southern tributary of the Palouse River. So starting at the um, southern tributary of the Palouse River, thence down that river to the main Palouse. Um, so this is basically just lining out the the boundaries. So thence down the river to the main Palouse, thence in a southerly direction to the Snake River, at the mouth of the Tucannon River, then up the Tucannon to its source to the Blue Mountains, thence southerly along the ridge of the Blue Mountains, thence to a point on Grand Ron River, midway between Grand Ron and the mouth of the Walaohau River, thence along the divide between the waters of the Walaohau and Powder River, thence to the crossing of Snake River at the mouth of Powder River, thence to the Salmon River, 50 miles above the place known as the crossing of the Salmon River, thence due north to the summit of the Bitterroot Mountains, thence along the crest of the Bitterroot Mountains to the place of beginning. So yeah, um, it's like uh, when kids are playing tag in the yard and they're saying, you can't go past that tree, um, that ant hill over to this tree over to that stream, over to the house, over to the red car, over to the porch. Um, That's basically what Article 1 is saying. It's describing the boundaries of the land that the Nez tribe of Indians are from this point forward giving up to the U.S. Um, And they're giving up their right, their title, and their interest in that land. So Article 2 continues on. There is, however, reserved from the lands above. So on the other side of that, though, um, reserved from the lands that they talked about in the article that was just read, um, of the above seated. uh, So reserved from the lands above seated for the use and occupation of the said tribe and as a general reservation for other friendly tribes and bands of Indians in Washington Territory, not to exceed the present numbers of the Spokane, Walla Walla, Cayuse, and Umatilla tribes in bands of Indians, the tract of land included within the following boundaries to wit. So, um, they laid out the boundaries in the first article. Now, here in the second article, they're saying reserved um, for the use and occupation of the Nespers tribe. Um, as a general reservation for other friendly tribes and bands of indians in washington territory um not to exceed the present number so uh not outside of so nothing more than uh the spokane the walla walla the cayuse and umatilla tribes um the tract of land included within the following boundaries to wit commencing where the okay and so then this next part is reading the boundaries again so it's uh In article one, they're establishing the boundary lines. Uh, And article two, um, they're saying on the inside of these boundary lines, uh, this is where you get to be. (laughs) Um, Oh yeah, so moving forward. Yeah, so all which tract shall be set apart and so far as necessary surveyed and marked out for the exclusive use and benefit of said tribe as an indian reservation nor shall any white man excepting those in the employment of the indian department be permitted to reside upon the said reservation without permission of the said tribe and the superintendent and agent and the said tribe agrees to remove and to settle upon the same within one year after the ratification of this treaty Okay, so Article 2, again, is working with the same boundaries that were established in Article 1. And they're saying that this set, or so on the other side of the boundary line, um, this tract shall be set apart, and so far as necessary, surveyed and marked out for the exclusive use and benefit of the tribe. And so when they say surveyed and marked out, basically, you know, it's um, checking out the land and... um, establishing boundaries or barriers you know so so far as necessary which means you know we can protect this border of a land as far as we deem necessary um we in this instance being the us um so marked out for the exclusive use and benefit of the said tribe so you know this all of the land contained within the boundaries that we described above this is for your exclusive use um, as an Indian reservation, this gets to be your place to be. And you know what? In addition to that, no white man, except no white man can live here, except those in the employment of the Indian department. So, uh, <laughs> so, okay, so no white man can be there, except those in the employment of the Indian department. Um, be permitted to reside upon the said reservation without permission of the tribe and the superintendent and agent so uh, no white man can live on this land that we're setting apart for you except for the white man that we're putting in charge of this Indian Department Um, so yes um, at the exact same time that we're telling you these are the lands that we are taking away from you and not allowing you to leave and these are the lands that we are quote unquote giving you for your exclusive use we're at the exact same time letting you know that yes it's true that we say no white man can live here and at the exact same time we are going to appoint a white man um to come and run this thing called an indian department um for this land already an imposition um again imposition oh my gosh that's an oversimplification by any means um so this person uh can be permitted to reside upon the said reservation uh without the permission of the tribe and the superintendent. so both you and the superintendent and agent uh agree about letting this person live there uh and then the said tribe agrees to remove to and settle upon the same within one year after the ratification of this treaty so um say this treaty is 1855 so yeah they're being told after we put this through after it gets ratified you know finalized uh, you have one year to get upon this tract of land that we have outlined in articles one and two so again article one establishing the boundary lines of the treaty uh, and then in article two saying hey inside these boundary lines you all can have um this can be your reservation for your exclusive use where there can be no white people. And at the exact same time, we're going to establish an Indian department and um, we're going to assign a head of that department and that person will um, live here. <laughs> and um, the permissions, uh, you will be involved along with the superintendent and or the agent, um, which is basically you know, just an overseer. Um, to make the decisions about anything else. And once we get all this paperwork taken care of and uh, Senate says, yeah, it's good to go, you all have one year to move your lives onto this tract of land that we have outlined. Uh, In the meantime, it shall be lawful for them to reside upon any ground, not in the actual claim and occupation of citizens, of the United States and upon any ground claimed or occupied. So boom right there, so until this thing gets ratified and you have that one year to move upon the tract of land that we described in Article 1, uh, it's, it's cool, it's lawful for you to reside upon any ground not in the actual claim and occupation of citizens of the United States. So basically, if there isn't a white person already living anywhere, because that's what this means, uh, citizens of the United States, this is talking about white settlers because uh, it's already establishing in the language without even saying it, that there is a distinction between the tribe, so the Nez Perce people, and of actual citizens of the United States um so there is an otherness that's put in to the language uh before even establishing um are we other or are we all of the same place um so this is the root you know this is where it is you see it right here uh in the meantime it shall be lawful for them to reside upon any ground not in the actual claim and occupation of citizens of the united states so as long as they're not a white person already living in this area that is traditionally yours Um, then you can, yeah, yeah, you can continue living there. Uh, if there is one there though, and even though this is your usual and accustomed place that you've been for millennia, um, you just need to understand that they have, they have the place. It's not yours. You, you, they are a citizen and you are not. Uh... And if the permission of the owner or claimant guaranteeing, however, the right to all citizens of the United States to enter upon and occupy as settlers any lands not actually occupied and cultivated by said Indians at this time. So at the exact same time, yeah, they're saying that um, uh, all, all citizens of the U.S., so any white settler can enter and occupy as settlers on any of the land that you guys aren't actually occupying and they can cultivate or that you're not uh, occupying or cultivating at this very time. So anyone can move in uh, at any time and take care or and and take. Um, And now, again, this is working off different systems because, you know, the Nespers people themselves worked off of rounds and um, they weren't dedicated to a simple one, one exact location. They they travel between different campsites. They travel between different areas and they follow the natural pathways of uh of nature and um and so this is um gosh it's just uh, the thievery in it um so yeah to say you know it's uh i guess like you know getting out of out of your chair and going to the fridge and then you come back to your chair and somebody's sitting there and being like well you didn't say place backs um that's basically what's written into law here um when that's not even you know (laughs) a system that people use um, of owning a specific space or calling or claiming a specific space as theirs so cool and provided that any substantial improvement heretofore made by any indian such as fields, fields enclosed and cultivated and houses erected upon the lands hereby ceded in which he may be compelled to abandon in consequence of this treaty, shall be valued under the direction of the President of the United States, and payment made therefore in money or improvements of an equal value be made for said Indian upon the reservation, and no Indian will be required to abandon the improvements aforesaid now occupied by him until their value in money or improvements of equal value shall be furnished him as aforesaid. So basically, if there's any Indian person, if there's any Nest person that, um, is living the way that we do, uh, uh, owning a specific tract of land or, you know, staying established in a specific tract of land and tilling it, um, and working in a Western way, then, um, you know, cool for you, we're going to buy you out, uh, and that payment will be made in money, um, or an improvements of an equal value be made for said, Indian, uh, uh, for said Indian upon the reservation. So we'll buy, or we'll we'll either pay you out um, to have you move onto the reservation, or we will um, build a little house for you on the reservation of equal value that you have uh, to, to what you have outside of the boundary lines that were described in Article One. Um, yeah, so that's Article 2. So yeah, basically Article 1 is telling you the boundary lines that are established for uh, the Nespers people, saying these are the boundary lines, and Article 2 is saying you all will live within these boundary lines. They'll be yours uh, to do with whatever you want, and no white person can be here. Also, we're going to assign a white person to be in charge of you all, Also, we're going to let you know that this white person is going to be the head of a department that we're going to possibly explain to you later what that department means and how it's going to govern what you are doing with this space that we just said was your quote unquote exclusive land um, to do with whatever as you please. Um, And as you continue on into Article 2. It's letting you know that once this the the contract the Treaty of 1855 gets ratified, everybody has one year to move on to that tract of land that was described both in Article One and Article Two. And if you have a house and you live your your life the way that, uh, well, let me back up. Uh, you have one year to to move on, um, and if uh, any white person outside of that area, um, if they if they find a tract attractive land or any bit that is uh, not claimed or occupied, then they can just uh, take it. And again, it's important that this is the first mention of uh, the right of all to all U.S. citizens of the United States. So it's making a subtle yet very distinct distinguishment <laughs> uh, uh, that the Nesperk people were not, in fact citizens of the United States. So um, they're not uh, under protections of the United States. And that's what we're seeing here. Um, And so yeah, any white person can move in at any point uh, between here and there. And you can't stop them because you know, if they find any unclaimed or unoccupied land, then they can just make it their own. And they get to do that because they are quote unquote, a citizen of the United States and you and you are not. Um, And then in the final part, saying that if you do live a farmer life and you do have these Western practices um, and you have a a home established outside of the boundaries that we described in Articles 1 and earlier in Article 2, then we will either pay you out for that home or we will supply you with a home of equal value within the boundaries of the reservation. That's Article 2 of the Nez Perce Treaty of 1855. So moving into, let's see, what is this? Okay, so moving on, Article 3. And provided that, if necessary for the public convenience, roads may run through the said reservation, and on the other hand, the right-of-way with free access from the state to the nearest public highway is secured to them as also the right in common with citizens of the United States to travel upon all public highways. The use of the clear water and other streams flowing through the reservation is also secured to citizens of the United States for rafting purposes and as public highways. The exclusive right of taking fish in all the streams where running through or bordering said reservation is further secured to said Indians as also the right of taking fish at all usual and accustomed places in common with citizens of the territory and of erecting temporary buildings for curing together with the privilege of hunting, gathering roots and berries, and pasturing their horses and cattle upon open and unclaimed land. Okay, so Article 3, saying, uh, and and provided that if necessary for the public convenience, roads may be run through the said reservation, and on the other hand, the right-of-way with free access from the same to the nearest public highway is secured to them, also the right in common with citizens of the United States to travel upon all public highways so basically uh, again article 1 lays out the (laughs) the boundaries article 2 says you all are gonna live on this place with your quote-unquote exclusive right to it which we know isn't necessarily exclusive And then they're saying, and uh, if at all necessary for the convenience of the public, meaning our white citizens, um, we can construct roads right through this reservation that we're saying is yours exclusively to use, uh, and that the right of way um, with free access to the public highway is secured uh, with uh, the citizens of the United States uh, to travel upon all these public highways. So even though... um, You know, we're saying that these boundary lines, no white person can live in here except for the white people that we appoint to run the white structures that will run your life. Um, We also can create roads that go right through your reservation and any white person and or citizen of the United States um, can go through. And the use of the clear water and other streams flowing through the reservation is also secured to the citizens of the United States. And so this is, you know, prior to roads even being used, uh, and waterways were the main thing, uh, along with established roads and trails that were used for millennia uh, by, you know, the natural inhabitants of the land. However, um, yeah, they're saying that the Clearwater River, so the main river running right through... Uh, the or one of the main rivers running right through the tract of land that was described in article one um is reserved and secured uh to the citizens of the united states so to white people for rafting purposes and as public highways um so again it's 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 a trip because they're saying no one no white people can come within these boundaries and if it ever comes to it we can even set up forts and garrisons to make sure that people don't come in here um At the exact same time though we're also going to appoint these things and we're also going to say that we can run roads through this place that we said that no one could enter and um and while those roads are being constructed people can use these roads uh you know white citizens that aren't supposed to be allowed to be on this tract of land can use these roads and not only can they use these roads and waterways to travel through your reservation where they're technically not allowed to be Uh, They also have the right of way. So it's saying, you know, this is your exclusive land for you. Um, However, this person can come through at any time. And if they choose to come through, they get the right of way and you need to yield to them. Continuing on with Article 3, the exclusive right of taking fish in all the streams where running through or bordering said reservation is further secured to said Indians as also the right of taking fish at all usual and accustomed places in common with citizens of the territory and of erecting temporary buildings for curing together with the privilege of hunting, gathering roots and berries and pasturing their horses and cattle upon open and unclaimed land. So that's a, a very important part uh, of the treaty for us nespers people is the exclusive right of taking fish in all the streams. Um, even the ones bordering the reservation. Uh, so yeah, the places that we were used to going to are usual and accustomed places, these gathering areas uh, places to hunt and fish. It says, in common with citizens of the territory. So again, making clear that um, Nest people are not citizens. So they have the right, along with uh, the citizens of the territory. And uh, you can make a small little uh, building to, you know, cure your fish or your meat, um, as well as hunting, gathering roots and berries, and pasturing your horses. Cool. So, Article 4 In consideration of the above session, the United States agree to pay to the said tribe, in addition to the goods and provisions distributed to them at the time of signing this treaty, the sum of $200,000 in the following manner. Okay. Uh, in consideration of the above session, so um, articles one and two gave you the outline of where it is and kind of what's going on. Article three is talking about like the riverways uh, and roadways, so making exceptions for allowing um, white settlers to travel in um, and through, while also guaranteeing that uh, the Nespers people had um, the right to continue. Um, their subsistence uh, livelihood, um, so in taking fish and usual accustomed places, hunting, gathering roots and berries, as well as pasturing horses and cattle um, on unclaimed land. Uh, Article four is saying so. In consideration of all that stuff, the U.S. agrees to pay the the said tribe the nest purse, in addition to the goods and provisions distributed to them at time of signing this treaty. The sum of two hundred thousand dollars. So I'm going to write that down here. First mention of money: two hundred k, and it's going to come in the following manner. That is to say, sixty thousand dollars to be expended under the direction of the President of the United States. So sixty thousand dollars of that um, is for. So we're going to pay you for this land: two hundred thousand dollars and uh this is how you're going to get it $60,000 of it will be pay, uh, will be spent uh in the manner that the president of the United States chooses to do the first year after the ratification of this treaty so um a year after this treaty the president um will pay you the $200,000 or you'll you'll get paid your $200,000 um yet yeah, 60 of that 60,000 of that money um, will be used by the president in whatever way he sees fit. In providing for their removal to the reserve, breaking up and fencing farms, building houses, supplying them with provisions and a suitable outfit, and for such other objects as he may deem necessary. <sighs> that was a single sentence of cultural genocide. Wow. Okay. So in providing for their removal to the reserve, so that's the first part. So we're going to take you away from the land that you've been living on forever um, and traveling through and living in communion with. We're going to take you from that and we're going to put you in a small section of it um, with boundaries that you cannot cross. Um, And then we're going uh, to breaking up and fencing farms so then we're going to uh, divvy up the land and have you do this thing that you've never um, had as a part of your livelihood and or society. Um, building houses, so establishing a home, and supplying them with provisions and a suitable outfit. Supplying them with provisions sounds like uh, giving food, um, which again uh, <laughs> goes against... Um, the food gathering, um, and the diets that were already established for millennia, uh, and a suitable outfit. So again, we're going to, we're going to give you what food we deem necessary, um, as well as what we're going to tell you what to wear, <laughs> uh, and a suitable outfit. Um, unless that means, nay, all extra gay in it and a suitable outfit. Uh, no, but truly, uh, could possibly be um, arms, um, which I don't really think. Um, and for such other objects as he may deem necessary. Um, so we're just basically gonna come through and whitewash uh, the way that you live. Um, and that will be paid for by $60,000 of this 200000 that we're going to pay you. Uh, and the remainder in annuities as follow. So, that 200 started with 60 60k for the prez and so the remainder in annuity so like every year this is what will happen for the first 5 years after the ratification of this treaty $10,000 each year so $10,000 per year for 5 years And then commencing September first, eighteen fifty six, for the next five years, eight thousand dollars each year. So eight thousand a year for five years. So, what is, uh, let's say, let's go back. I'm going to erase this. So, basically, that means 50K at 10K for five years. And then we have 40K at 8K over five years and 6000 each year. Wow. Okay. For the next 5 years, $8000 each year, for the next 5 years, 6000 each year, and for the next 5 years, 4000 each year. Okay, so it basically goes from 50,000 to 40,000 to 30 to 20. 000. 30 and 20. And this is done by six and four thousand dollars over five years, so that's 20 years plus the one year for because, yeah, the United States agreed to pay to be expended in the direction the first year after the ratification of the treaty, yeah, so the sixty thousand. Okay, so, okay, all which said sums of money shall be applied to the use and benefit of the said Indians under the direction of the President of the United States, who may from time to time determine at his discretion upon what beneficial objects to expand the same for them, and the Superintendent of Indian Affairs or the, or other proper officer shall each year inform the President of the wishes of the Indians in relation thereto. Okay, so the top part of Article 4 is saying um, everything that we talked about in Article 3, 2, and 1, um, all of that land that you're giving up, Nez people, the U.S. is going to pay you $200,000 for that. And this is how you're going to get your money. $60,000 of that uh, will come after the first year of this treaty, this agreement being ratified. And that $60,000, Will actually be spent in the way that the President of the United States uh, deems fit. And one of the major, just so you guys know, the way that he kind of thinks that things will be fit is that, um, you know, you will move to the reservation that we've outlined above. um, And then once you move to that place, uh, you're going to be um, directed to break up your land into different tracts and to start fencing and farming as well as building houses Uh, and then uh, you know sure you may not be able to uh, travel about and you know get your food in the ways that you've known to do for all this time so you know we'll give you some provisions um, and a suitable outfit you know we'll tell you how to um, carry yourselves and how to operate in this place and um, you know and any other thing that the president may uh, any other objects that he may deem necessary. You know, that's that's where the 60000 is going. Uh, and then the remainder of that money will be paid to you um, in small portions each year. And this is how that will go. So over the next five years, uh, you'll get $10,000 each year. Five years after, for the next five years following that, it'll be $8,000 a year. For the next five years following that, it 'll be six, thousand dollars a year and for the next five years following that it'll be four thousand dollars a year. So again that's um, 20 years to pay out what is that 70 9110 140 Oh yeah duh Helen <laughs> get it together. Uh, so 20 years to do the last hundred forty thousand dollars. Wow. So yeah, so basically, we're gonna pay you $200,000. And then in the first year after this gets ratified, 60,000 of that will be spent. So you don't actually receive that $60,000. It'll just be spent in the way that the President says uh, that it'll be spent. And then you all will get the rest of your money in these small chunks uh, for the next 20 years. And all of the sums of money shall be applied to the use and benefit of, of you all. So you get to use this money uh, however you want um, under the direction of the President of the United States. Oh, so you get to use this money for your use and for your benefit in the way that the President of the United States uh, says that you shall do it. Um, who may from time to time determine at his discretion upon what beneficial objects to expend the same for them. So the president may at any time determine whenever he wants, a.k.a. at his discretion, um, what benefits, quote unquote, the Nesperts Indians or the said Natives. Uh, Oh, it's so hard to even say Indians. Gosh, geez, just reading this makes me feel ugly. And the superintendent of Indian affairs or other proper officers shall each year inform the president of the wishes of the Indians in relation thereto. And so, yeah. And so the superintendent of Indian affairs, so uh, Isaac Stevens, AKA this racist man that has uh, a lot of interest um, and is supportive and uh, in communion with other slave owners, actual slave owners and um, racist politicians. Um, they are the proper officers uh, and they and they get to be the the communication between uh, the Nespers people and the president so that's article four um two hundred thousand dollars i'm going to write this down article foe Cool. Article five, the United States further agreed to establish at suitable points within said reservation within one year after the ratification hereof, two schools erecting the necessary buildings, keeping the same in repair and providing them with furniture, books and stationery, one of which shall be an agricultural and industrial school to be located at the agency and to be free to the children of said tribe and to employ one superintendent of teaching and two teachers to build two blacksmith shops to one of which shall be attached a tin shop and to the other a gunsmith shop, one carpenter shop, one wagon and plowmaker shop and to keep the same in repair and furnished with the necessary tools to employ one superintendent of farming and two farmers, two blacksmiths, one tinner, one gunsmith, one carpenter, one wagon and plowmaker for the instruction of the Indians in trades and to assist them in the same to erect one sawmill and one flouring mill keeping the same in repair and furnished with the necessary tools and fixtures and to employ two millers to erect a hospital, keeping the same in repair and provided with the necessary medicines and furniture and to employ a physician and to erect, keep and repair and provide with necessary furniture the buildings required for the accommodation of the said employees. The said buildings and establishments to be maintained and kept in repair as aforesaid and the employees to be kept in service for the period of 20 years. And in the view of the fact that the head chief of the tribe is expected and will be called upon to perform many services of a public character occupying much of his time, the United States further agrees to pay to the Nez tribe $500 per year for the term of 20 years after the ratification hereof as a salary for such person as the tribe may select to be its head chief to build for him at a suitable point on the reservation a comfortable house and properly furnish the same and to plow and fence for his use 10 acres of land. The said salary is to be paid to and the said house to be occupied by such head chief so long as he may be elected to that position by his tribe and no longer. And all the expenditures and expenses contemplated in this fifth article of the treaty shall be defrayed by the United States and shall not be deducted from the annuities agreed to be paid to said tribes, nor shall the cost of transporting the goods for the annuity payments be a charge upon the annuities, but shall be defrayed by the United States. So that's article five let's just go back and recap it the united states further agrees to establish at suitable points within said reservation within one year after the ratification hereof two schools okay so one year after this treaty of 1855 gets ratified the u.s is agreeing to establish at suitable points within the reservation within said reservation two schools um, putting up two different buildings Uh, And then also making sure that there's money in there for keeping up repairs and providing those two school buildings with furniture, books, and stationery. Um, One of the schools will be focused on agriculture, and the other one will be uh, focused on industry. So industrial school, I'm I'm assuming, you know, another part of the trades. Um, And this is to be located at the agency. So that's um, where the agent is, the overseer. I'm just going to keep calling it agent um, because, you know, that word needs to get normalized, too. Uh, the agent of the uh, reservation, and to be free to the children of said tribe. So we, going back, let's just go back. Uh, The U.S. is um, agreeing to establish within the reservation, and so basically they're saying, um, we're coming into this place that we said is exclusively for your use, um, a boundary that... Uh, No white person can cross except they can use the waterways and pathways and if they are employed by us and we are setting up our systems um, where, you know, you need to have an employee of us that live there at your place, then those people can live on the land and if uh, other people around see unclaimed land, then they can claim that as well. And they can travel on your roadways and on your waterways and they have the right of way because they are actual citizens of this country that we're establishing and you all aren't. Um, And so... Even with all of that said, on this reservation that's meant exclusively to do with what you choose to do, we're also going to tell you that um, we are putting up two schools um, and that um, money has to be get paid for putting in books and furniture and stationery for those schools um, and that they'll be focused on these two different trades of agriculture and industry and that your children will go there for quote-unquote free. Um And it's to be located at the agency. Uh, So continuing on. And to employ one superintendent of teaching and two teachers. So that's still another. So that's the agent. That's already an employee, a superintendent of teaching, and two teachers. So that's three other additional people. Um, Wow. Okay. To build two blacksmith shops. So again, we weren't blacksmiths. to one of which shall be attached a tin shop and the other a gun shop so um this is basically establishing a factory one carpenter shop one wagon and plow maker shop again things that we Nesp- Nespers people did not use and or need um and to keep the same in repair and furnished with necessary tools to employ one superintendent of farming and two farmers so that's um some more that's another a superintendent of farming and two farmers, two blacksmiths, one tinner and one gunsman. That's two, four, six. That's seven more people hired in. One carpenter, one wagon, and one plowmaker. It's a few more. For the instruction of the Indians in the trades. So we're gonna bring these white people in and we're gonna so we're going to establish um gun shop, carpenter shop, wagon, all these different products that you all don't use in your lands that we're saying that you can do whatever you want with. Yeah, we're gonna come in here, we're gonna tell you that this is what you are going to do. Um, And at the exact same time, we're gonna take your kids and we're gonna put them in these schools for free. Don't worry, you won't have to pay for it, except for you are paying for um, the furniture, the books and the stationery, as well as it being built, as well as for a superintendent, as well as for the teachers who are going to be teaching. And, you know, again, that doesn't even go into the whole following of what these kids were meant to be taught. And then on how they were being taught, um, not even just what, yeah, how, um, their lives, gosh, oh, my gosh, heartbreaking. Um, And then on top of that, um, all these different things, gun shop, carpenter shop, wagon and plow maker shop, um, gunsmith, carpenter, blacksmith, uh, and then to instruct. So, again, putting in these uh, systems uh, and these for the instruction of the Indians in trade. So, teaching them, uh, this is more establishment of more free labor, basically. And to assist them in the same, to erect one sawmill, one flour mill, uh, flouring mill, keeping the same in repair, and furnished with the necessary tools and fixtures, and to de- and employ two millers. That's another two people to erect a hospital, keeping the same in repair, provided the necessary medicines. So, yeah, building a hospital, flour mill, sawmill, all these different things. Um, the said buildings and establishments to be maintained and kept in repair as aforesaid and the employees to be kept in service for the period of 20 years so not only are they um putting in these different it's they're making a factory really is what it is um they're coming in and they're extracting resources from the place and not only are they extracting resources from the land they are using human labor so they're taking the kids uh, they're going to build them schools and they're going to call it free uh, free education you know for children of the tribe yeah it's you know it's a pre-program it's starting them um, and at the exact same time they're going to make sure that they get use out of adult and or you know further along grown people for uh, the different parts of industry whether it be in the sawmill the gun shop the carpenter shop wagons plows uh, farming millers repairs, hospitals, um, and they're putting in superintendents as well as different employees. I think outlined, I've counted about 10 to 12 employees that were just written in. And then at the end of that, it says that um, all these different buildings and establishments will be maintained and kept in repair, like they keep mentioning, in that the employees that these people are setting in, the US government, um, quote unquote, citizens and or white people, uh, will be kept in service for the period of 20 years. So they get a 20 year gig living on the reservation, the same reservation where it's meant to be the exclusive use of the Nespers people uh, with no outsiders coming in. Um, yeah, again, you can't even really say that because before they even finished that sentence of it being exclusive to natives, they already built in the caveat of having an agent living on the reservation. So that's already guaranteeing one white person as presence. And along with that one white person, he gets to run the white system um, that everyone has to enroll in. So it's it, you don't get to live on this land freely as you have you get to Yeah, be on this land, you don't get to go outside these fences, quote, unquote, outside of these boundaries, technically, really. Um, And even within the boundary, uh, you're going to live the way that we're telling you to live. So continuing on with Article Five, and in view of the fact that the head chief of the tribe is expected—boom—that's already another thing. Uh, going back again, the many different band systems of the Nimipu, you know, uh, each person had their, or each, each band, each each band was separated over the area of you know present-day Washington, Idaho, and Oregon. And where those places now connect. And so they had their own sense of leadership within their bands. uh, So there was no one over the other. Um, You know, decisions were made by councils. uh, So people specialized, whether it be in hunting, fishing, um, war, peace, uh, camp You know people had their specialties and came together um, and formed a council to best advise what the band and at large the tribe uh the moves that they would make and so right here in the sentence uh the fact that it says uh, that the head chief of the tribe that's already going against everything that is nimipu um you know there is no head chief of the tribe yet they're in the language appointing this position so they're setting up a system that we don't live our life by and uh, forcing us to to live by that in order to uh, continue operating alongside them and the them being the u.s government so in view of the fact that the head chief of the tribe is expected and will be called upon to perform many services of a public character occupying much of his time the United States further agrees to pay the net to the Nespers tribe $500 per year for the term of 20 years. So, um, this figurehead that again is not a natural um, position for the Nimipu people, for the Nimiipu, um will basically be an employee of the U.S., and they'll get paid $500 every year for 20 years. And right. in a view of the fact that the head chief of the tribe is expected, okay, so $500 over 20 years, so that's $10,000 over 20 years for this position. And all the expenditures and expenses contemplated in the fifth article of this treaty shall be defrayed by the United States and shall not be deducted from the annuities agreed to be paid to said tribes, nor shall the cost of transporting the goods for the annuity payments be a charge upon the annuities, but shall be defrayed by the U.S. Okay, so basically the $10,000 that will be paid to this one figurehead over the next 20 years five hundred dollars each year for the next 20 years resulting in about ten thousand dollars that won't come from the two hundred thousand dollars that was outlined above Um, this part will be covered by the u.s basically and that is article five so article six of the Nespers treaty of 1855 the president may from time to time at his discretion cause the whole or such portions of such reservation as he may think proper to be surveyed into lots and assign the same to which such and assign, to, and assign the same to such individuals or families of the said tribe as are willing to avail themselves of the privilege and will locate on the same as a permanent home on the same terms and subject to the same regulations as are provided in the 6th article Of the treaty of the omahas in the year 1854 so far as the same may be applicable now that was definitely something that i talked about before however breaking it down it's just that the president may at any time whenever he sees fit um, come and take part of or the entirety of the reservation of what he thinks is proper and uh, divvy it up into lots and assign those lots to um, either individuals or families um, now these lots definitely they are um, of a certain size. And so any excess will be given to. US citizens, aka white settlers. Um, and it's following, they don't even explain the full uh, length of those terms. They're just saying, hey, actually go over and read the treaty um, with the Omaha in the 18 of 1854 to figure out what else we mean by this. We're not even going to expand upon it here in your personal treaty. All right, article seven, the annuities of the aforesaid tribe shall not be taken to pay the debts of individuals. That's article seven, the annuities of the aforesaid tribe shall not be taken to pay the debts of individuals. So that's talking about the two hundred thousand dollars, I guess, uh, and I don't fully understand that one. Uh, so it's going to keep moving. Article eight: The aforesaid tribe acknowledge acknowledge their dependence upon the government of the United States and promise to be friendly with all citizens thereof, and pledge themselves to commit no depredations on the property of such citizens. And should any one or more of them violate this privilege, and the fact be satisfactorily proved. Before the agent, the property taken shall be returned, or in default thereof, or if injured or destroyed, compensation may be made by the government out of the annuities. Nor will they make war on any other tribe except in self defense, but will submit all matters of difference between them and the other Indians to the government of the United States or its agent, for decision, and abide thereby, and if any of the said Indians commit any depredations on any other Indians within the territory of Washington, the same rule shall prevail as the prescribed in this article in cases of depredations against citizens. And the said tribe agrees not to shelter or conceal offenders against the laws of the United States, but to deliver them up to the authorities for trial." Cool. So, Article Eight, the aforesaid tribe, the aforesaid tribe, acknowledge their dependence upon the government of the U.S. So it's right there. I don't even have to explain it. Um, you're saying, "Hey, we are acknowledging that we depend upon the government of the U.S. and promise to be friendly with all citizens thereof." Um, and again, citizens is talking about white people, white settlers. So, promising that uh, we are dependent upon the U.S. government as well as that we will remain friendly to all white people uh, and pledge themselves to, uh, and pledge to commit no depredations on the property of such citizens. Um, So let's just look up the word depredation. Uh, Context clues lets me know, it's pretty, okay. Depredation is now an act of attacking or plundering. So um, I'm pledging to, not commit any depredations on the property of such citizens. So uh, article eight, you all, you Indian people are saying, are you, you Indian people are dependent upon the US government and you are promising to be friendly with all citizens, AKA white people and pledge not to attack or plunder um, the property of any of these white people. And should any one or more of them violate this this pledge? So, if any one Indian or more than one Indian violate this pledge to remain friendly to white people and to not attack them or their property, uh, that the fact be satisfactory sat- um, and the fact be satisfactorily proved before the agent, the property taken shall be returned. So. Basically, if any Indian violates the pledge um, and does attack and or plunder any white person, and it comes before the white agent, and the white agent decides um, whether or not the property taken shall be returned, um, or in default thereof. So, if not, uh, if somebody is like injured or destroyed, compensation may be made by the government out of the annuities. So. Um, you Know we'll take out of your money that $200,000 that we talked about. Uh, if we can't cover or if, if the agent does decide that you guys messed up and you did something wrong and you got to pay for it, um, and compensation needs to be made, you know, it's coming out of your money that that $200,000 that we said is exclusive, exclusively for you, even though we've told you exactly how to pay for it or exactly how to spend it. Um, nor will they make war on any other tribe except in self defense. So, this is, you know, it's a, it's a respectability politics. You know, you all will uh, be friendly to all white people. You won't do anything to them. And if you do, then we're going to take from the money that we promised you and we're going to pay those white people out. Uh, also, any neighboring tribes or anyone else around, you know, there can't be any warfare with them, no disagreements, except, I guess, in self-defense. Um, yet, even in that case, matters of difference between um the Nest person any other Indians will be submitted to the government of the United States so you have to go to somebody outside of the two communities um, and or the agent who is the white um, person there appointed um, as quote-unquote leadership of the reservation for decision and abide thereby and if any of the said Indians commit any depredations of uh, any Indian attacks and or plunders any other Indians within the Washington territory the same rule shall prevail as that prescribed in the article in cases of depredations against white people uh, so basically yeah um, if you if you you can't relate really, you can't do anything to the white people around you uh, and if you do if we see fit we're gonna make you pay them back and that money will come or and that will come out of the money that we've been promising you and the same goes for any neighboring tribes uh, if you are found in any altercations with them outside of self-defense, we can take any or, you know, any money can be returned to them. They can be paid back for their injury. um, And that will come out of the money that we promised you, that $200,000. And finally, finally, the last sentence and the said tribe agrees not to shelter or conceal offenders against the laws of the United States, but to deliver them up to authorities for trial. Uh, So in the last part, just being a, you can't house anyone that has broken any rules Article 9, the Nest Purse desire to exclude from their reservation the use of ardent spirits and to prevent their people from drinking the same. And therefore, it is provided that any Indian belonging to said tribe who is guilty of bringing liquor into said reservation or who drinks liquor may have his or her proportion of the annuities held from him or her for such time as the president may determine article 9 again the Nesper's desire to exclude from their reservation the use of ardent spirits so ardent spirits you know being liquor alcohol uh so yeah Nesper's people saying please don't bring that stuff onto our reservation and to prevent their people from drinking the same um, therefore it's provided that any indians belonging to said tribe who is guilty of bringing liquor onto the reservation or who drinks liquor may have his or her proportion of the annuities withheld from him or her for such time as the president may determine. Um, Wow, so it's kind of hard to look past the criminality that's kind of written into this already, where it's like, if anybody so okay, you all are saying that you don't want this thing alcohol, because obviously, it's, you know, it's not something that aligns with how you live and you are seeing that it's something that you don't want around your people however at the exact same time we're going to say that if any of you are found with this thing that you say that you don't want um, then we can withhold money from you Um, yet again alcohol trade came from the U.S. you know it came from these white settlers Uh, yeah I don't like that this is this is very much putting in i mean article eight it talks about uh depredations which you know is attack and plunder uh so you know that's that's the wild west that's the cowboy an indian movie you know these indians are trying to come and take our stuff and um kill us that's what it's you know starting that dialogue there and then in article nine saying um, hey, you guys said you didn't want any alcohol so if we catch any of you with any alcohol then um, then we can punish you for it because remember you said that you didn't want it um, Wow. And so yeah then it's it's uh, it's it's start it's seeding uh, the storyline of um, alcohol dependency within uh, the native community. Okay, Article 10, the Nespers Indians having expressed in a council a desire that William Craig should continue to live with them, he having uniformly shown himself their friend, it is further agreed that the tract of land now occupied by him and described in his notice to the Register and Receiver of the Land Office of the Territory of Washington on the fourth day of June last shall not be considered as part of the reservation provided for in his, in this treaty except that it shall be subject in common with the lands of the reservation to the operation of the intercourse act. So there's a white guy, William Craig, who uh, lives uh, within the, the area um, who already has a relationship with the Nespers people at the time. Uh, and so they're agreeing that attractive land that he lives on now um, be described in his notice to the register and receiver of the land so uh, be described in his name and registered under the washington territory um on june 4th of 1854 uh shall not be considered part of the reservation provided for in this treaty so it's, it's separate except that it shall be in common with the lands of the reservation so it's not part of the reservation um yet it's in it's yeah held in common with the lands of the reservation to the operation of the intercourse act so whatever he's doing um, he's allowed to continue doing um, basically article 11 this treaty shall be obligatory upon the contracting parties as soon as the same shall be ratified by the president and Senate of the United States in testimony whereof the said Isaac Stevens governor and superintendent of Indian affairs for the territory of Washington and Joel Palmer superintendent of Idaho of Indian affairs for Oregon territory and the chiefs, headmen, and delegates for the aforesaid Nez tribe of Indians have hereunto set their hands and seals at the place and on the day and year herein before written. So yeah, this treaty shall be obligatory upon the contracting parties. So this will be mandatory. This will will go into effect um, upon the different parties as soon as uh, it all gets ratified by the Senate and the U.S., so again, as we outlined at the top, it has to do with uh, the ter- the governor of the Washington Territory, who is also the superintendent of Indian Affairs for Washington Territory, Isaac Stevens, Joel Palmer, who is the superintendent of Indian Affairs for the state of Oregon, and then also just the representation of the U.S. government, um, in conversation with the chiefs, headmen, and delegates of the Nespers Perce tribe. Uh, and then you have the list of names signing out the rest of the treaty and that is the treaty of 1855 broken down um, so again just flipping back through on my own um so the treaty of 1855 starting uh with the agreement saying the time and place that it's being done and who it's between so isaac stevens joel palmer the u.s government on one side, and then the Nez Perce Indians uh, who fall within the land territories that they describe in the introduction. Um, so those people. Uh, in article one, they lay out the boundaries of attractive land. In article two, uh, they reiterate those same boundaries and they say within these bounds, uh, there's reserved lands uh, for the said tribe. Um, and that that land shall be set apart. Um, And it can be surveyed and marked out for the exclusive use and the benefit of the tribe. Um, However, they also, you know, talk about uh, having an agent in there and the employment of the Indian department, the superintendent. So they're already structuring in a system where, yes, we're setting bounds. You will live within these bounds. And although the premise of these bounds is that you will be able to continue to live in the way that you seem deem fit. you'll be able to do whatever you want in this place that's actually not how it's going to go down we're going to place a superintendent and or agent in charge of everything and we will establish an indian department you know we'll explain the rest of what that means to all later and at the exact same time we are making here a claim that you are not citizens of this thing that we're calling the United States, this thing that we're building and developing. And so as we establish this plot of land for you where uh, the boundaries are not to be crossed by uh, any white man, of course, accepting those that we put in employment based on these systems that we're about to place on you all, um, they can be there as well as... Um, Any unclaimed land can be occupied by other citizens, so any other white people can come in, and uh, if there's a place that's unclaimed, they can take that and occupy it, and they have the right to do that, and you can't do anything about it. Um, And if you are an Indian who does not live within the bounds that we outlined, and you already have a home, and you are already tilling a field, and working in a way that we deem uh, proper, then we can compensate you for that place uh, and have you relocate onto the reservation and we'll either pay you out for the money that you didn't get for your home or we will build something of equal value there on the reservation. Uh, And then it moves into Article Three. Continuing that uh, for public convenience, roads may be constructed through the reservation. So again, uh, have to keep reiterating. They say, we can build forts and garrisons to hold the boundaries so that no white people can come in. And at the exact same time, they're also saying, hey, um, this area is meant for white people to go through. So whatever, for our convenience, we can come through this area. And even when we do come through this area, we have the right of way, you need to default to us. so that's the top part of Article 3, the bottom part of Article 3, um, ensuring the exclusive right of taking fish in the streams uh, that are bordering the reservation as well as on the reservation, um, and the right to take fish and to hunt, gather roots and berries, and pasture horses and cattle upon um, unclaimed land, um, all of which uh, happens uh, are, you know, within the bounds of uh, all usual and accustomed places. So any place that you've been uh, normally doing your subsistence living uh from or around or in you can continue to do to do that you have the right to do that um so article 4 is saying so yeah recapping those last three articles of all this stuff that you're giving up the United States is uh agreeing to pay you uh $200,000 now that $200,000 is going to be given to you in this way $60,000 of that will uh, come about a year after the ratification of this treaty, and the president will decide what to do with that. Uh, he'll, he'll decide uh, <laughs> how that goes, um, and most of it will be uh, to help provide for the removal of people to the reservation, also focusing on breaking up the land and uh, in installing fencing and farming, building houses, um, as well as um, using that money to uh, pay for provisions and for outfitting um, and whatever else he may deem necessary. Now, beyond that 60000 the last 140000 will be paid over the course of the next 20 years. So from 1855, one year after ratification, even if that were to be ratified in the following week, uh, the one-year part would start at 1856, and then 20 years from that would put you at what is that 1906 is when um the 20 years of payments would have gone out at the earliest and that's you know if ratification happened directly after which we know that it hasn't because it happened in history uh however that's just kind of like a timeline for the brain moral is uh the the last one hundred and forty thousand will be paid. Fifty thousand dollars will come over the course of five years, uh, by ten thousand dollars every year, um, for the next five years. It'll be eight thousand dollars for the next five years, six thousand, and then the following and last five years, four thousand dollars a year, uh, and that will amount two hundred and forty thousand uh, dollars, which comes, which creates the ground total of two hundred thousand dollars that um is talked about in Article 4. And Article 4 closes out with uh, all of the sums of money shall be applied to the use and benefit of the Nez people under the direction of the President of the United States. So all the money that they get uh, isn't really going to them. And not only are they, they don't use a money system. uh, Beyond that, they're not given the money to use as they see fit they're being uh, told what to do with the money and again they're reiterating that it's all at the direction of the president of the united states who may from time to time determine at his discretion upon what is beneficial um to expend for so yeah the president gets to tell them how to spend their money and what it's spent on and if it's not the president it's the uh, superintendent of indian affairs or other proper officer um, and and these are the people who each year uh, are the liaison between the Nespers people and the president um, yeah so you know there's it's written in there that you know the superintendent and or another officer will let the president know of the indians wishes of the nespers people's wishes however that doesn't at all guarantee that that will be honored and at the base of it all um, it's the United States president who gets to say what is what in the end. Moving into Article Five, the United States further agreed to establish a suitable points within said reservation within one year after the ratification to schools. So, uh, Article Five is where it breaks down um, the <laughs> the reservation itself. Um, not only uh, is it going against what is said in Article Two about it being exclusive. Uh, about the tract of land being exclusively used uh, by the Nespers people for whatever they deem, um, this Article Five is uh, coming through and saying, "Hey, we're going to build shops. We're also going to build factories and mills and schools. We're going to put your kids into our school system." Um, we will take your people and instruct them on different trades in industry as well as in agriculture and um we're going to establish all these different systems and all the money uh and, and and so uh and then also providing um pathways legal pathways in here to take care of you know furniture books repair maintenance for these buildings and for the employees that they are putting into these positions um, so again they're infusing more white people um, into these positions of leadership into in establishing these systems that have nothing to do with nimipu ways um, and guaranteeing that these employees will be kept in service there on the reservation uh, for the period of at least 20 years and in the view of the fact that the head of the chief of the tribes expected will be called upon to perform many services of public character occupying much of his time, the United States further agrees to pay the Nespers tribe $500 per year for the term of 20 years. So um, that's also another thing written in there is that even though this goes against the Nimipu way of having different councils and many different bands who work autonomously, um, they're saying there's going to be one representative that will uh, speak for you all, and will be the go between between the United. will be the person that goes between the United States and the tribe, and we're going to pay that person five hundred dollars each year, uh, coming out to ten thousand dollars over a course of twenty years. Uh, and then Article Five closes out, saying that um, you know, and any extra things you know, the U.S. will take care of. Um, and it won't come out of that two hundred dollars that we said that we were going to give you. Now, Article Six um, is where we have our first reference to another treaty. Um, the, um, uh, the the treaty with the Omaha in the year of eighteen fifty four is cited in Article Six. And Article Six is basically just saying that the president, from at any time, from from time to time, at his discretion. Um, May cause the whole or such portions of the reservation that he thinks proper to be put into lots and to be given to individuals, um, and that these individuals have to opt into this system of retaining a lot of land uh, that they will tend to, um, and then yeah, it goes on further from there. Yeah, that's that's basically that's basically the thing is uh, dividing up up into lots and giving personal ownership. Uh, So again, another uh, imposition. And I hate to even say imposition because that's an oversimplification. However, uh, just uh, yeah, a way of of, of regulating people onto plots of land and and, and separating, which wasn't, again, a Nimipu way of being. Article 7, the annuities of the aforesaid tribe shall not be taken to pay the debts of individuals. Okay. Uh, in Article Seven, the aforesaid tribe acknowledged their dependence. So, Article excuse me, Article Eight, the aforesaid tribe acknowledge their dependence upon the government of the United States. So, um, hey, you guys are all pledging your allegiance to the U.S. and you promise to be friendly with all U.S. citizens, which at that point were white people, white settlers. Um, and that you Indians pledge yourselves to commit you—you you will never do anything against these white people. And if you ever do violate this pledge to that, you know you act out against the white people around you. Um, the agent or anyone else in in charge um, will either return the property that you stole, or if that can't be done, then if there's like injury or destruction then compensation will be made to the government out of the annuity. So remember that $200,000 that we said that we we're gonna give you, we'll take out of that money to pay back for these things that you said you wouldn't do about you know, attacking and or thieving from uh, the white citizens around you. Uh, and that also extends to any neighboring tribes. Like yes, you can work in self-defense, However, uh, if you injure or plunder or do anything to any surrounding tribe, the the same thing applies. Uh, So, yeah, if you do anything wrong, we'll basically take from the money that uh, we said that we were going to pay you. Article 9 starts with uh, a statement of the Nespers saying that they do not want uh, the use of ardent spirits. So, you know, they're saying keep the alcohol away from us uh, to prevent their people from drinking so yeah, that's the thing. Uh, saying, "Hey, uh, we don't want this stuff, so please don't bring it around." You know, we didn't have it around before. You all brought it in. We noticed that when our people imbibe, when they drink the spirits, um, that they act different. You know, that's not something that we want. So keep that away. Uh, and so it's established here in Article Nine. Yet the twist on it is that um, it's saying, "Well, this is something that you all wanted." And so, if you all, if if at any point anyone brings liquor into the area, or somebody um, is found drinking liquor, that person um, and or their portions of the money that they get from the annuities will be withheld from them. Um, and this is, you know, at the discretion of the president. So this person, this figurehead, um, who has nothing to do with these people. Again, Article 10, the Nespers Indians have expressed in a council a desire that William Craig uh, should continue to live with them. So this is a section of land that is set apart for this man, William Craig, and it's uh, uh, held in common with the lands of the reservation without being on the reserve or without being the reservation, uh, and so it's allowing that person the same space uh, to continue doing what they were doing uh, without being part of the reservation. And then finally, Article 11, this treaty shall be... Uh, it'll go into effect basically and all the parties um will do the things that were outlined above once this thing is ratified by the president and the united states and so again the agreeing parties are isaac stevens and joel palmer who are the governor and superintendent of indian affairs for the washington territory as well as the territory of oregon um also the united states on one side and then the chiefs headmen and delegates of the aforesaid nesper's tribe of indians on the other side and that is the treaty of 1855 broken down wow um i mean major things that stick out are just the fact that you know it's all written into these treaties all of the deception is written directly into the treaty uh, nothing is clean. nothing is promised in a, um, in a clear way. There's always a caveat, there's always a loophole. There's always a way by which um, they established and by they uh, in a, uh, there's always a way in which Isaac Stevens, the governor of the, the territory of Washington, and by extension, the US government, um, created separateness from the Nespers people by claiming, you know, they are not US citizens. Um, so establishing who citizens are, and by default making it very clear that the Nespers people were not citizens. Um, also, they led with premises of, you know, this will be an area for you to do with whatever you want. However, at the exact same time, they are saying we're going to put these people in charge of this area we're going to put this system into place in this area we're also going to come through and establish roadways and um, allow public ease and so any white people can come through and when they do they have the right of way beyond that we're also going to establish factories schools uh, and different infrastructure that do not align with the way that you all live your life Uh, And so we're going to basically force this upon you and put people into uh, positions of power in these establishments uh, and guarantee that they have tenure in this place for at least 20 years. Um, And so there's just already in that, um, just a lot of duping, uh, which I just can't stand. Um, And then the money breakdown is another thing so i I mean i i see the cultural portion i see i mean because it's it's education so that that branches down into everything that education is um as well as instruction in the trades uh so that's free labor another way of uh getting their labor uh land and resources um by you know taking the waterways waterways and the actual land and reserving rights uh for U.S. citizens over the natural inhabitants, the Nemipu people, um, as well as building in a, a system of respectability politics, saying that you can never cross the line with any white people. Uh, and if you do, if the thing cannot be repaid or regained, then uh, we'll take from the money that we promised you. So just a lot of, a lot of whiteness, a lot of thievery. Yeah, you see the seeds planted of, uh, of otherness, of violence, you know, saying that, you know, no depredations, which, again, looking up depredation on Google, an act of attacking or plundering. Uh, so, you know, uh, there's talk of education, of free labor, of using the natural resources, of dependence upon the government. Of subservience to US citizens, either by giving them the right of way or by never crossing them, you know, otherwise you'll seek penalty. And beyond that, uh, you know, the start of the narrative of um, alcohol dependency um, and, or I guess, just consumption of ardent spirits and liquor. <sighs> Treaty of 1855, time to move on. Treaty of 1863.